Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark in today and uh, loaded up. Plenty of football to dive into. Some thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame as MLB will unveil their Hall of Fame vote. Dive into some recruiting. Some NFL loaded up with uh, Blair Kirkoff from the Kansas City Star. Get his take on the Chiefs and Bengals here leading into the AFC title game. And uh, some thoughts on Major League Baseball. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic will join us. And then a Tuesday with Kaz, Rick Kaczynski going to join us and uh, talk in-state recruiting, some of the challenges that uh, is there. Numbers to dial up, 466 Five. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt. Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. So uh, we are loaded up. Uh, we are going to get uh, pretty in-depth towards the end of the week with Husker baseball thoughts. But uh, football always on our mind. And uh, part of that is the position battles. You've seen a lot of stuff released. Steve Marek. With Hale Varsity, does a great job covering Nebraska football for Hale Varsity. Out with, uh, you know, topics of interest here, specifically the, the running back room and how that can shake out. So the, the question I have is this, as we look at Nebraska football and we look at what Nebraska football needs to be in 2022. The question is, do you know how Nebraska wants to get it done? On offense. And I ask that because of the emphasis and, quite frankly, the execution, success, the reliability, the sustainability of Nebraska's run game. Why, why is, in past years, is Adrian Martinez running the quarterback counter or quarterback power? versus some of the other four-star scholarship running backs that have been in the running back room. Well, it comes down to trust, doesn't it? Or feel, or this is going to give Nebraska the best chance. If they want to run the football on third and three, this is how it's going to get done successfully and hit or miss, right? Or... Is Nebraska, when push comes to shove, are they going to want? Do they want to throw the football to win? Do they want to run the football to win? Percentage wise, Nebraska is a 60 40 
run-the-football team. Scott Frost, a run-the-football guy at Central Florida. Scott Frost, a run-the-football guy at Oregon. So it isn't pass first. Mark Whipple, pretty 50-50, right? But in his media session said, look, you had to run the football just to stay balanced, even if you weren't having success. If you're at 3.1 a carry, guess what? Uh, Pitt beat Clemson for the first time in a while last year because they ran the football. They didn't punt it. They didn't veer away. They didn't abandon the dreaded run game. And and I think Nebraska will stick to their guns a little bit. And there were times last year I thought Nebraska stayed pretty patient despite lack of bang or pop in the run game. I thought they, they did a pretty good job of staying patient there. Uh, I think they stayed pretty patient in the Minnesota game. I thought they stayed pretty patient uh, despite, you know, 3.1 a carry or whatever it was against Wisconsin. And I thought they stayed real patient uh, until it was too late against Iowa. See, I bring up the last part of the Iowa game from a fourth quarter standpoint because you've got a dual threat quarterback throwing 15 or 16 passes out of 17 plays. That's why I ask, how does Nebraska want to go about their business? And I'm wondering if some more cooks in the kitchen, i.e. a different play caller potentially, or at least the the guy in title, is going to be able to dig in and and run it. Let's assume, for argument's sake, that right, it's a big assumption, let's assume Raiola figures out a, f- a starting five that is better than the previous starting five. With some of the same pieces, maybe there's some different pieces. You factor in a new quarterback that is good under pressure, can stand in his poise in the pocket, can deliver the football. Uh, that missing piece, when we talk about combining past success, throwing the football for Casey, and the unknown on the offensive line, is the help, is the run game, is how you win in the Big Ten. And is Nebraska going to absolutely, when push comes to shove, when it's winning time, what's their style going to be? It's got to be run the football, right? Right. And and it, it hasn't been. It hasn't been because they've trailed mm-hmm. or they're in hurry up. Well, they're always playing from behind. It feels like no, they are. It's not. I mean, it feels like because they are. But, but even but even when they were winning against Iowa, it felt like, oh boy, they're trying to make something happen here, and the inevitable happened. Something did happen. And guess what? In 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 football, they're going to stop the run. How many times have you seen the NFL? Right? What mm-hmm. what happened? Well, Cincinnati, Tennessee. Let's just check out last Saturday afternoon for a minute. Tennessee first down. Minus two. Second down run, gain of two. Third and ten, Tannehill tipped, picked. You were, in, you were in business if you're a Bengals fan because obvious passing situation, third and forever. They knew he's throwing it, and Tannehill's a great athlete, can spin the football, money on play action, is not a guy that can can win you games solely on his arm in those pressure situations. It's got to be when he wants to do it, when they want to do it, right? It's almost like a surprise. Oh, let's play action. You can drop a dime to one of the best wideouts in, in, in the AFC in insane one-armed catch in the end zone that, that, that tied the ball game. So he has talent. He has ability, absolutely. 
But how's Nebraska going to go get it done in winning time when it's tied, when they trail, but it's still a one-possession game? I'm going to kind of parallel that with the running backs you got to choose from. You've got Ramir Johnson. Okay, you have a guy that is got a season of starting under his belt and the physical toll because of his stature cost him a couple of ball games because he hits that hole hard. He runs tough. He's Jersey tough. And you're going to see him carry the football. Mm-hmm. Yank, can he get his head screwed on straight? 250, 245. Uh, as long as he stays at his playing weight, he's a Big Ten back. He's a thumper. Step, 230, Big Ten back. Gabe Irvin, clearly a three-down back because he can pass block. We just don't know what he could have been in Big Ten play, unfortunately, because of that knee injury. You didn't see him a ton against Illinois. And then you, you factor in a guy that you look at the, the, the Juco and the portal market, Anthony Grant and Casey Thompson. That combination is going to tell a lot how, how the spring goes with them. And then into fall, those two guys will have a lot to do. Again, big assumption the offensive line is better or or passable with how Nebraska does this fall. What's your quarterback going to do, and do you have a dude at running back? And Anthony Grant is explosive. He's got good vision. He can stop and start. He's got good instincts. He's tough. He can catch the football. So I, I think you, you've got some, some new puzzle pieces, but you've got some pretty puzzle pieces if you're Nebraska's offense. It, 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 it's going to come down to, Yes, the offensive line trust by the head coach and the play caller. And I think that a lot of it was that. I don't know if I'm Scott Frost that I trusted my O-line to get it done for me on, it seemed like every time he would try and run it on third and short, no gain. Or, all right, uh, Adrian, go 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 take care of it for us. <laughs> and, and more times than not, Adrian to make it happen, but it was almost a blessing if they'd call a pass play on third and short and he'd scramble for it. And then red zone issues are red zone issues, and can you line up and slam it down someone's throat in the red zone? And then maybe sprinkle in a little play action when they think you're going to run it. I mean, it's out there in front, and I'm excited to see where Whipple is with this in conjunction with the offensive line development and then the running back room with Applewhite and the choices. You know, you're going to go through, you're going to have competition, you're going to have some new faces, but you're going to have uh, a quarterback that's good and talented. You're going to have a running room that has some experience. And are you going to be at the point with a new offense, at least personnel at, at the position group and the offensive coordinator spot, to really make jumps and strides and leaps to, to run it when they know you're going to run it and still get it? Because guess what? That's what Iowa does. Guess what? That's what Wisconsin does. Because the, the last thing Iowa and Wisconsin want to do is put the ball in either of their quarterbacks' hands on third and eight to throw the football. Mm-hmm. They want to they make their money running the football. Well, and Nebraska has the pieces in order to be successful in the red zone. Now, another offseason of practice, training, whatever you want to call it, that's obviously going to help this team. But you mentioned Marquis Step 230. You mentioned Jacques Yant, around 250, 245. The pictures that just came out of the weight room of him look awesome. Um, but you have those. Are you going to blow one of those up for, uh, for, a, for a poster? 
I mean, I, I wish I, I looked like that, first of all. But um, <laughs> Take a number, man. <laughs> yeah, but you have Ramir Johnson, who we, we saw him start a lot of games this year. Mm-hmm. He's, he can easily be in a 1,000-yard back in this league in the Big Ten. But you mentioned you need to run the football effectively even when the other team knows you are going to run the football, and a lot of that happens in the red zone. And if you don't have success in the red zone, well, you're going to have to pass the ball on most likely third and long situations as well. And most of the time that results in a field goal. But if you can have Ramir Johnson get you down the field, you have Jacques Yant and you have Marquis Stepp, throw them in, in in your goal line offense, in that red zone offense, and have them grind out some yards for you. Now I know some of that comes down to the offensive line and you got to get there first, but I think this offense has the ability to, and if Marquis Stepp and Jacques Yant can really embrace that role in the offense, I think they'll have a lot of success within the 20-yard line. And and that's it. You know, Nebraska was money between the twenties, and then you get into the that that red zone, the money down, and you just didn't get the production you needed. And then it was insult to injury. Okay, you got to settle for three, not seven. And then it was uh, Shankopotamus time. I mean, way way more than it needed to be. You look at the combined numbers for Nebraska's running attack: one hundred one thousand ninety yards, nine touchdowns, four and a half carry, with all the backs. That's a that's half of a wee back. Thirty years ago, you had Calvin Jones and Derek Brown cranking that out themselves, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards respectively. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's got to be one guy's stat line. Yeah, but that was that was two backs. The the wee backs they they split time. They were incredible. Both guys went and played in the NFL, third and fourth round. Saints and and and, and the Raiders. But uh, just a, a thought here with uh, you know kind of whittling down your running back rotation. You got to see. You got to get the feel, and you know, Ramir. Ramir could not that he should lose the job. He'll fight like hell to keep the job. But from a body type standpoint, if you can mix him in as that change of pace back with some of the other thumpers you have, and and then you got your bell cow. You, you got your one guy versus give me one guy and then a committee. I think that could work out well. But you know, you, you get this combination. We'll dive into this here in about uh, twenty minutes or so about Casey Thompson. I know, Connor, your podcast and uh, your show, you touched on just kind of comparing uh, some of Casey's numbers and play last year at Texas, and, and we know what Nebraska went through en route to 3-9. and nine. So we'll go there here in about 20 minutes. We'll talk with Blair Kirkhoff here of the Kansas City Star coming up. So have you mellowed as a sports fan, as a baseball fan, with the line in the sand on performance-enhancing drugs? Have you dialed back? Do you give a crap anymore? And and I ask that because I, I've been the, the biggest, nope, dude cheated, can't do it. As I've gotten older, it's not that I don't care. I don't, I don't want Junior to turn into a pincushion. It's not what I'm saying. I don't want back knee the size of pepperonis uh, with him in the name of, of succeeding, okay? <laughs> we don't need a third nipple being grown, okay? Because of some sort of growth injection. Now, what I will say is I look at guys and guys that I followed and watched, and I'm even going to put off to the side here if I think the guy's a scumbag. Let's just look at performance. 
not just performance enhancement, but let's look at performance. And if I thought the guy was a D-bag, I'd, I'd use that as justification because you can't really look anybody in the eye with a straight face and say, nope, Barry Bonds isn't a Hall of Famer. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he went out to the old lab in San Francisco. The difference is Barry Bonds went from a guy that was going to hit 450 home runs, probably steal 700 bases, win, probably still win MVPs and hit 325, play a garbage outfield. But he was still incredible in those Pittsburgh years. Roger Clemens resurrected his career in, in Toronto. Roger Clemens, if we're going by the old school, 80s into the 90s, pre-2000s, he's on that. He's hovering around. He would, he would have limped to the finish line for 300 wins. And instead, he goes into his late 30s and 40s and is the best pitcher in baseball. There's that, that rub right there. We'll talk with Blair Kirkhoff next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to Blair Kirkhoff with the Kansas City Star at Blair Kirkhoff on Twitter. Blair, is, is Arrowhead still shaking? It is. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it, what an incredible, what an incredible game, incredible evening at, uh, at Arrowhead. It'll be shaking all the way up until the AFC championship game on Sunday against the Bengals. But um, I was thinking that that's the greatest game, certainly at Arrowhead stadium. And, you know, with all the talk about it being the you know the greatest game in, in NFL history or playoff history, I I think you have to get a little more time. Uh, that has to get a little more time, but it was easily the greatest game played at Arrowhead Stadium, and I think it rivals the the Royals wild card victory back about what, six seven years ago. Is you know one of the you know just great great moments in Kansas City sports history. It was electric down there when we went for 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 just Vegas coming to town. I mean, Chiefs fans are, are unparalleled, <laughs> right? You know, it's the highest price ticket. It's a higher price ticket than the Rams 49ers NFC title game, and and the highest price ticket of um, you know of the playoffs so far, and that includes you know Packers home game, Bucks home game, mm-hmm. and all that. But um, as is often the case, I, I expect the ticket prices to come down. There, you know, it's well into it approaches a thousand, and the get-in price is 
you know, about 400 bucks. But I, I expect those numbers to come down as the week progresses. And uh, one of the things, you know, got to remember, Arrowhead Stadium seats about 77, 76,000. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there, there, there always seems to be tickets available toward the, toward the end of the week as, as game time approaches with the prices coming down a little bit. But, yeah, I, it, is, um, it is definitely a hot ticket. And, and the, the way the Chiefs won against the Bills, you know, with, 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 the, with the largest television audience for any program since last year's Super Bowl, you know, 42 million watching the game, it's got a lot of people interested in, in the AFC championship game. I think about Zach Taylor and his trip down to, to Arrowhead uh, trying to beat Oklahoma and big game Bob Stoops. Cold, cold day for uh, yeah. for Nebraska that night in Arrowhead, and then I think a Cincinnati's preseason game uh, in in Arrowhead back back in nineteen in August, and you know Cincinnati's made some great strides. Chase has been incredible. Joey Burrow's phenomenal. You know what's the outlook here with Cincy coming in? I know Kansas City got nipped uh, up there in Bengal Country here not not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, that's. The, the the week 15 game between the the Chiefs and the Bengals is going to be believe it or not a motivational factor for the Chiefs this week as if a 7 point favorite needs you know a, a motivational edge and it will be certainly for Patrick Mahomes who got outdueled by Joe Burrow in that game you know Burrow threw for 446 the Chiefs went up 14 to nothing um in that game and ended up losing 34-31 so they avenge the loss to regular season loss to Buffalo, and and now they'll, you know, they'll try to do the same against against Cincinnati. But you know, you mentioned Zach Taylor, and I, I absolutely remember that Big Twelve Championship, 2006 Big Twelve Championship yep. game at Arrowhead, and um, um, it was uh, it, it was kind of a dull game. <laughs> it was like was it 21-7, I think. Bill 20, Callahan was twenty-one-seven, yeah. and he looked like uh, someone uh, took his dog to the vet. After that ball game, man, because his his offense, his West Coast, scored a whopping seven points. Yep, yep. And if correct me if I'm wrong, and you would know this better than anybody, was that the that's the last time Nebraska's played at Arrowhead? Yeah, because the the previous time it was a goal line stand against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, exactly. Yeah, ninety eight first Mike, college first major college game played at Arrowhead. State. Yeah, yeah. It was Mike Brown and and and, and Mike Rucker uh, that that finally. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, old, uh, I don't know if it was Rex Ryan or one of the Ryan brothers was the was D coordinator, I think, and they, they ran the old 4-6 bear defense and wasn't a good night for Bobby Newcomb. Uh, but, hey, Joe Walker saved the day. I was there for that one. <laughs> Blair that, that was great. And, and when Nebraska got back to the Big 12 championship game, it had moved out of Arrowhead and it was down in Dallas. Yeah. So, yeah, we hadn't seen the Huskers in Kansas City since then. Thoughts on Casey Thompson? You've covered a lot of Big 12. He's making the move to Lincoln from from Austin. And then also, uh, Adrian's down in Manhattan. You're going to see Adrian Martinez in the Big 12. Casey Thompson now in the Big 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bullish on, on Casey Thompson. I was, I was higher on him than, than others. He, you know, he put up some good numbers. He, I, he led the, you know, the Big 12 football kind of, Changed its uh, stripes, you know, uh, this this year, and has been trending in a in a defensive way over the last several years. It's it's been interesting to see this. 
you know, we, we, we certainly remember the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the mid two thousands of, uh, you know, games in the forties and fifties and sixties, mm-hmm. and even a couple times hitting 70. And, you know, now it's a, now it's a defensive first league. And, uh, and so case, but Casey Thompson led the, led the big 12 with 24 touchdown passes and, um, you know, absolutely. You know, Texas was a was a disappointment in Sarkeesian's year, first year. So, um, you know, it, it it was it was good for him to you know probably to change uh, addresses. I guess we can say that about a ton of players these days because that's that is certainly what's happening in in, in all of college sports. But I'm I'm excited for him, and, and I I do think it'll be a good fit, and and um, I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens. I, it, to me, he, he has talent. It's about taking ownership in in the in the team, in, in the offense, and in the team. And let's let's see if he can do that. He won't be looking. You know, I, I don't think he'll be looking over his shoulder. He comes in as the he comes in as the guy, and um, and and that there's there's value to that. And you know, as for as for Martinez at Kansas State, it, it, it comes at a good time. I mean, they're they're replacing Skylar Thompson, who was in the program for six years, and Ended on a high note, uh, beating LSU in the in, a, in the Texas Bowl, and so um, you know, good, good for Skyler and for and for Kansas State. They have enough coming back that you know that I, I don't think that um, you know that they wanted to start over at quarterback with with a young quarterback this year. So Martinez comes in and be the starter, and um, or at least he'll compete for the start. But my, I suspect he'll be the starter, and um, and and I. I think a change of scenery is probably good for him after the career he had at Nebraska. It was just maddening for him uh, because it just never was complimentary football, and he was having to do everything. And I know Thompson had a 1,000-yard rusher behind him at Texas to to help kind of offset all he was asked to do. And uh, it's been retooled, Blair. I mean, you've got Mickey Joseph back in town. Uh, yeah. You have Bill Bush here. You've got Whipple. Uh, Riola's the O-line coach. I mean, it's it's kind of now or never for for Coach Frost, and and I think they'll they'll be better. I mean, they they the, the recruiting is really ramped up. Not that it was bad before, but they are. I mean, you've got two hustlers in Bush and in Mickey Joseph that are really getting after it. Uh, do you have a gut feel, Blair? Uh, back to football and NFL for a second with B enemy. I mean, is this the year? Yeah, that's that's tough to say. One of the, you know, there are nine openings right now. So, um, and then there were seven last year. So, in in each of the last two years, half the NFL had you know had head coaching openings. And and if if the enemy doesn't get a job this year, then look, I we we can we can talk about uh, you know uh, the the dearth of uh, black head coaches in the NFL, and, and that is a Worthy topic and, and worth uh, a very deep conversation, but you know it hasn't always been that way. You know, it, it, it's or it's really become a, an issue here in the last couple of years. And if the enemy doesn't get a job when there seems to be uh, you know a lot of awareness uh, about about this issue, then you know maybe it's a big enemy problem and not an NFL problem. It doesn't interview well or. Uh, you know, has you know, just just maybe something, or or maybe he, you know, he he's been offered and has turned it down. We haven't heard that, but that strikes me as a possibility as well. Doesn't want to just take any job, but it's uh, it is a curious situation, and 
But maybe, uh, look, his, uh, the Chiefs front office uh, member just got the, the, the Bears GM job. And although I haven't seen the enemy's name for the Bears, uh, that job remains open and all the jobs remain open. It's, it's different this year. They're NFL teams are waiting, uh, and I, that's, that bodes well for the enemy. That, I think that's hurt him in the past, and I think he'll have a better shot with NFL teams waiting longer to hire their coaches. Blair, we'll get you out of here on this. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star, and it's great to connect with you again, Blair. So you have a, a slew of names for the Hall of Fame. Do you view David Ortiz differently than A-Rod, Bonds, Clements, Sosa? That's a that's a good question. Um, yes, I, I do. I, I don't have a vote uh, in, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I I, I think of Ortiz as you know uh, I, I do I, I do look at him a little differently, and maybe maybe it's just a it's a me problem, but not enough time has passed for me to reconcile the steroid era players and what. The, the big shame for me, especially when it comes to Barry Bonds, is um, he was putting up, you know, incredible numbers before he went to San Francisco and started, you know, and started down the path of the, you know, of the, of the, of the steroids when he was influenced by Mark McGuire and his success. So, you know, Bonds would have ended up, I don't know if it would have been the home run king, but he would have had 500, 600 home runs in his career and multiple, and he already won two MVPs in Pittsburgh. So I... I, it just, you know, I'm, I'm not there yet, and, and I, I, maybe it's my age, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm more, you know closer to the re- retirement, and and, um, and so it's maybe it's an old man, you know, get off my lawn sort of thing. But <laughs> okay. I, I I really like David Ortiz, his his heroics in the you know in for the Red Sox in the World Series and or in the ALCS in 2004. Is, one of some of the greatest, you know, baseball memories that um, that this generation has. Blair, we'll do this again. You take care. All right, Chris. Take care, man. Thanks. Good stuff from Blair Kirkhoff. Preview in Cincy and Kansas City, and some thoughts there on Eric Bieniemy. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame comes down tonight. Is the, the shilling go ooh for ten? Is the bloody sock man shut out? Whether you agree with him or can't stand him on social media, before his, you know, I'm putting you in timeout, Kurt Schilling. Man, I, I smile every time I think of 1998 with Sosa McGuire, Roger Clemens, and then there's Big Poppy. And we'll ask the question: Is, is do, you, do you have a different take on Big Poppy versus these others uh, associated with steroids? Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. 20 minutes away, we'll spend time with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. NFL thoughts, 
The pros and cons of spoiling your child and taking him to the AFC Championship game. So, with a straight face, Connor, got to ask you, man, would you roll up to Papa Bear, your dad, and say, so, when are we going? Absolutely. You'd at least try. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd be, Were I'd you be successful? Because you're, you're young enough to have been at that wheelhouse age of a sports fan when the Bears were good. Do you remember their Super Bowl run or not? I remember the Super young? Bowl party my parents had. <laughs> I do remember that. It was in the basement. We had Bears newspapers all over the wall. Um, obviously, I don't really remember the game. I was about five years old. Okay. But, I mean, I remember, like, 2012, like, NFC Championship appearances, obviously making the playoffs twice did in, you the, work, in the last handful. Did you work your way into Soldier Field then? Uh, I did for the double doink. Oh, no. Yeah. Not good. Not good. I, I laugh with you. Um, <laughs> I laugh with you. So, no, that's that's a discussion point I will need to negotiate moving forward. Uh, Sean Payton is stepping down. We'll hear from Sean Payton in a moment. That job is uber attractive. It is, aside from the quarterback. But if I'm uh, if I'm New Orleans, and whoever my head coach is gonna be, I I see what Green Bay wants. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I'm thinking about moving and leaving Green Bay because of issues with management, clearly not the personnel. I mean, you're going 13-3 and three every year there, it feels like. Uh, I, I have an incredible run game. I've got a killer receiving core. Better than average defense. Good defense. Not a liability defensively. I know they've not been perfect in their secondary. But listen, that that's where I go. I don't go to the AFC if I'm Aaron Rodgers because of the, the quarterback... Congo line that's really good and really young. Not that you can't win, but you, you've got it made. It's you and Brady. And you're in the AFC South if you go to New Orleans. So what does New Orleans do at head coach? And is New Orleans, depending on who lands that head coaching job, uh, a spot for Aaron Rodgers, potentially. If you're Green Bay and you just can't come to, you can't get Aaron to come to his senses and say, oh, we're in the we're in the second round of the playoffs every year. Let's stick and stay and go for another one. Aaron's a young 39. Had to wait four years behind Favre, obviously. Wants to kind of carve out his own thing, which I get. And he's done that himself, already winning the championship once, but and you ask Packer fans this, they're, Green Bay's a lot like Oklahoma in their heyday with Stoops, where every, every year they got a stud quarterback, Bradford, Baker, Adrian Peterson, and and all those, all that incredible consistency during the regular season and conference championships and playoff appearances and New Year's Day six bowl games and BCSs. I mean, it's 
You got one title to show for it. And two titles with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks to show for it if you're Green Bay. And a lot of that was all Rodgers before Green Bay reassembled. There were some years where he was doing it with uh, some duct tape and bailing wire, quite honestly. So I respect his talent. I don't quit get quite – he's so difficult or his family dynamic. Don't understand that. Probably none of my business, but it, it's, a, it's a topic on the periphery. He just doesn't seem like that happy a guy. But New Orleans, go get a, a, an Aaron Rodgers-approved head coach and see if you can swing something for him. That'd be very tasty. And if you're Sean Payton, you've got Jameis and Taysom. No, thank you. And I know, I know Jameis got whacked, got hurt. And you were stuck with Tebow Light in the NFL. So Cooperstown and David Ortiz. Let's talk Big Poppy. As much as many of you dislike Barry Bonds, and I'll even go hate, there's a lot of us that love David Ortiz and Big Poppy, which is why eh, we can we can say, you know, Big Poppy never truly tested positive. His name was leaked as part of the 03 anonymous survey testing. He never failed a test after that. Bonds never failed a test after that. Nor Rocket Clemens. But I don't view Big Poppy in the same light as Barry Bonds. Part of that is the the records. Poppy didn't break records. And personality goes a long way. I'm quoting Pulp Fiction here. It does. And when you want to look at some comps, there are comps when it comes to war, wins above replacement with uh, Big Poppy. Lou Brock and Kirby Puckett are two that stick out. Poppy could go one for one on the Hall of Fame ballot. Schilling is down to his last strike. He's 0 for 10. Personality weighs in. It shouldn't. That's where my stance is right now. The other thing with Schilling is timing. Schilling got on the ballot in 2013. That year it had nine players selected to the Hall of Fame. He was also on the ballot with Bonds, Clements, Sosa, McGuire, Palmero. So the voters were overloaded. No one in that era made it. The following year was loaded. So year two, you're Kurt Schilling, but you're not Tom Glavin, made it. You're not Greg Maddox, made it. You're not Frank Thomas, who quite honestly is, is kind of my guy. I mean, I had a George Brett era. I really liked Mark Grace, loved Tony Gwynn, but... but Frank Thomas was huge, and I was wowed that a guy that could have theoretically played 
tight end in the NFL and played football with Bo Jackson was so incredible. I always thought he threw it too soft. That's why they stuck him at first, and I don't get that. But his eye was incredible. And he'd lift the back foot, his right back foot, when he really swung into something and just destroyed it. And then Frank was making half a million dollars at age 39 for the upstart Oakland A's because he was 39 and he found one more good season, even though his average dipped below, God forbid, 270. We'll wind down hour one next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this first hour. Mitch Sherman, 10 minutes away from the athletic. And then a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski going to join us. The challenges of recruiting in-state. Specifically Nebraska, his time in Lincoln. And also when he was at Iowa. Do you take an in-state kid? Or do you uh, do you look uh, elsewhere? Uh, uh, just a, a slew of in-state kids that are high level that uh, Mickey Joseph and company and, and Barrett Root are uh, trying to lock down for 2003, four and five <clears throat> for Nebraska's future. Uh, reminder to buckle up: one of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink? Don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We told you about uh, Sean Payton. Uh, let's uh, hear his uh, reasoning for stepping down. Last week, I had a great visit, a tough visit, with Mickey Loomis and Mrs. Benson and Dennis Lausha um, relative to just looking ahead um, with with what I want to do and Mickey and I now we're 16 years. And so I, I think that that was challenging just because of our friendship more than our professional relationship. And then Mrs. B was awesome. You know, uh, <laughs> I love this about her. She said, well, go away for two or three months and come back in training camp and we'll be ready to go. And I thought that sounded pretty good actually. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that she she told me to spend some time away and give this some thought um, because it is a, a big decision and it, and it certainly affects a lot of people. Um, you know, it's not often you as a coach have that opportunity to possibly leave. And it was something that certainly I hadn't really thought about over the years. You know, we coach, we coach, we coach, and at some point they tell you to leave. And and as difficult as being fired is, it sure seems easier to thank everyone. So there is Sean Payton. He's um, torn, clearly, (laughs) about stepping away. You wonder if it's health-related. You wonder if it's time. You wonder if it's self-preservation. I mean, the thing is, is they were they were still in the thick of a playoff race. Some, somehow. I mean, everyone's dinged up and everyone's injured. Totally get it. But he did a good job. He just seems, he seems like he didn't want to leave. Just hearing that in his voice. Duh. I mean, the guy's a coaching lifer, and he's been really, really 
high level forever. So hour one, to recap it, we talked running back, depth chart. The big assumption is the offensive line is better to be able to run the football. But uh, it really comes down to, you know, what Nebraska's offense looks like with Mark Whipple. Is the offense going to be able to run the football when they want to run it and run the football, more importantly, when they have to run it? Uh, Nebraska, and I think that's in Whipple's DNA, man. They even talked about it. The old AFC North running in brutal weather because it's it's a reality. And a lot of times, despite the percentages, I think Nebraska, I mean, they wanted to win throwing the football. Uh can you win with that run-first mindset? Mitch Sherman's next to Tail Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to Mitch Sherman with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, what a weekend of football, man. Anything like you've seen before? No, I thought we were going to have four walk-off wins for the uh, for the road team in the uh, divisional round of the NFL playoffs. That was, that was an incredible finish on Sunday night. It was like he couldn't have drawn up four games in the fashion that they unfolded on the weekend and been any happier if you were the NFL. What a what an incredible I mean no you know not a lot of controversy maybe some on the on the OT rules Sunday night but that's you know that's that's uh, uh, that it wasn't really a curveball. We knew those rules going in and, and just uh, incredible football. I think it has a lot of people excited for this weekend in in uh, LA and, and KC. Well, the fighting Zach Taylor's invade and uh, was hit up immediately. We're talking probably five minutes after Kelsey's walk off by by Junior saying, "Are, are, are we going? Are we going uh, to the yeah. uh, to the AFC title game?" And I know you've uh, you've been down to, to Arrowhead this year too with uh, the Chiefs fan in your life. Yeah, I mean, don't you have just like a red line right to the uh, right to the Taylor residence? You know, from your two years that you spent in the same city as Zach. I mean, you ought to be able to just call up, and and I'm sure he's got some sideline passes for you. <laughs> well, um, we better not put that out there because Carson will be wanting side. Like, Dad, forget the suite. Let's go to the sideline. You know, for sure. I mean, yeah, you got to you got to whatever is available. I mean, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah, our our house our household is a split one this weekend, and I and I'm not even picking a side. Right. Uh, my wife, Smart. my wife, because of the Taylor situation, um, has uh, adopted the Bengals as her team. And, that's, and, um, and my daughter is, is, uh, for as long as she's been a football fan, um, she's, uh, she's been a Patrick Mahomes and chiefs and Travis Kelsey, um, 
uh, fan. So we uh, we've got a holy war going on on uh, on Sunday afternoon in our house. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna I'm just gonna sit back and and enjoy the uh, the tension. <laughs> just stay away from it and. You're going to just, all right, you're on this side of the couch, you're on the other side of the couch, I'm in the middle, and uh, that that is the, um, that's the I mean, barrier. Really, I mean, really, either way I win, because one of those teams is going to the Super Bowl, and and then that'll be a fun two weeks leading up to it. Sure. Now, I, I uh, have kept in contact with Zach, but I have not been that guy <laughs> to, to say, hey, uh by the way, no, no. Um, so I don't know. We're mulling over maybe going, but I, brother, I, I don't want to spend that much that high up. I mean, I've yeah. always kind of been chintzy with my, my, my purchases anyway. I splurged a little bit ahead of Christmas just because Vegas was, you know, going to be down there and we, we were in the lower bowl. Usually it's yeah. it's affiliate seats for preseason and, you know, you can shake hands with the sun. We're, we're a ways up, but they're free. I think I think I saw some uh, some uh, club seats on uh, online this morning for nine fifty a ticket. Uh, so that ought to be that's that's right there for you. I mean that's that's in your wheelhouse. Um, we you know we went to uh, I took my daughter for her birthday uh, to the to the first rendition of Chiefs Bills in in uh, this this season. It was a Sunday night game that had none of the same kind of drama that we saw on uh on the sunday night uh just a couple of days ago it was a it was a bad game for the chiefs and it was it was a rain we were inside um we had some we had some connections that that do not exist uh during the playoffs well said <laughs> connections often <laughs> run and hide during the playoffs yeah i i love him but we need money money trees to start growing at the schmidt household if he wants to go sit in in comfort but I don't know. The kid wore shorts last time we went down, and it was December, so whatever. He can brave the cold. Well, I'll, I'll let you know if we go, and we'll send you a picture from 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 Mount Kansas City in Section three three fifteen or something. Mitch Sherman's with us. Should be an awesome weekend of football. But you know, is is that the best game you've seen? We can we can fast forward from. Sunday night, you've covered a ton of college football. You've seen a lot of pro baseball. You've seen a ton of Nebraska baseball. Let's put it all into the, the, the pot here. I mean, was that just the most drama-filled, insane finish uh, Hollywood script that you could, you could yeah. have imagined? I really don't think it was. I mean, it was amazing. Um, the, the overtime, like the flawed overtime, it, it, um, I think it takes away that distinction for me if if there was a better way to settle it and and josh allen had his 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 opportunity to get his hands on the ball uh after the the final gun of regulation then i think i might start to think about it in that category i mean as far as nfl games yeah it's it's definitely right up there but all of the great college sporting events that i've seen uh you know and you're going back to national championship games at nebraska that were that were pretty dang entertaining in their own right um in the in the 90s a couple of them i mean 93 and 94 those those seasons the 94 and 95 orange bowls you know back to back were about as perfect of games just from a, a script and finished standpoint as you can get and, and i some of the some of the perfection um I, I think was lost from that from that uh that game the other day because of 
of the way overtime went. And, and you know, I'm not saying that because of who won or anything like that. Just a, you see a great performance by those two quarterbacks in the final couple minutes, and then it goes to extra time, and one of them stands on the sideline the whole time. That's that's kind of disappointing. But entertainment value in the last couple minutes uh, of regulation to force overtime, it was it was right up there with anything that I've ever seen. Just a r- remarkable the way that both quarterbacks were able to operate under those un, in those in those circumstances, but especially Mahomes in the in the in the last 13 seconds to have that composure to stand in there and hit those two, you know, make those two plays. Um, you know, he obviously has great weapons, but uh, he makes it look easy um, when it is it is anything but that. And you know, I really just marvel at him and have since college. You know, I was lucky enough while working at ESPN to cover Patrick in college and you know know him a little bit when you know long before he achieved this level of stardom and he seems you know it's it's he's a fun guy to root for because really in a lot of ways he seems like the same guy now i mean 500 million dollars is is going <laughs> to probably impact your life a little bit I'm, I'm sure there's some differences between patrick mahomes today and and the texas tech guy but um you know he he really does seem pretty grounded and and uh, like i said he's a he's a an easy guy to, to root for I was going to go there, and you opened the door with seeing him at Tech, and then also, not that we all saw Josh Allen a ton, but we saw him in Lincoln, and he had, mm-hmm. he had a tough day in Lincoln. But both those guys go high overall, and the situation where Kansas City was knocking on the door with Alex Smith, and, I mean, who could have projected other than Andy Reid, right? Uh, Mahomes, when you look at his arm talent and – what he what he did in college was fun, was awesome, but it was yeah. always you know he needed to score half a hundred and they'd still lose to be able to project that and drop it into Kansas City, his talent with with Reed's coaching and then you know you, you factor in B enemy is flat out incredible. I mean they they traded up for him and it's been perfect. Yeah, I I you know I read a uh, an old an old take from the the draft the the year Mahomes was drafted the other day. Um, circulating around social media about how he was a C minus pick and, and was going to be a bust, and he was a system quarterback at Texas Tech, and you know didn't have good field awareness, and 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 his unorthodox style wouldn't play in the NFL, and obviously that's that that was a, a disastrous projection. Um, I I will say I did not see it that way for Patrick, and I've been wrong on plenty of quarterbacks um, and and players at every position in in multiple sports. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm not great necessarily at this, but I thought Mahomes was going to be a hit. Um, I, I, I thought he got an unfair uh, rap out of Lubbock for being just the next in line at Texas Tech. And I, I, for me, it was, it was, it was hard to comprehend that line of thinking because I, you know, watched from afar the guys before him like Cliff Kingsbury and Graham Harrell and some others, and they just had a, um, a run of quarterbacks, you know, under under Leach. Um, and then, and then with Kingsbury as coach, who just put up huge yards, and you know, here comes Mahomes, and he's doing the same kind of thing. But I, I just thought that that in, in watching him in person a few times in college, and you could see it on TV, but I think you can see it better in person when you when you can watch the whole field and just the way he surveys things and the way he just buys himself time and can use his feet when he doesn't necessarily look that fast. Um, I, I thought he was. Um, he, I, I couldn't have predicted this, but I, I thought he was going to be a very good NFL quarterback, and obviously 
so did Andy Reid, and, and he's proven to be right. Mitch, going to go to Nebraska football here real quick and uh, just kind of get your thoughts here on on in-state recruiting for 2023, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a number of prospects that are out there that a lot of major programs are offering or have on their radar, and it seems like just the, the narratives flipped a little bit. You still got Rude doing his thing in-state, but now uh, you've got Mickey Joseph that's very active, uh, and he's very active around a, a lot of key high schools. I think there's like three Mickey Josephs, and and he can be in, <laughs> <laughs> he can just be in multiple states, multiple cities, multiple schools at one time. That seems to be the um, <laughs> that seems to be what's been happening here since coaches have been able to go back out on the road after after the dead period that it, that ended this month and, and the, this contact period that extends up through next week before the um, the, the final signing period opens on Wednesday. Yeah, Mickey's been everywhere, and you know he, they just unleash him and, and you know put him in Omaha. Let's fix those issues because clearly there have been issues with Nebraska and and recruiting the city of Omaha, and it's not necessarily Barrett Root's fault. Um, he, he but he has been the guy tasked to do most of the work, not just in Omaha but throughout the state of Nebraska. And and you know it's it's just different. I think um, it, you know when you're at Bellevue West, you know, and and Mickey Joseph comes in there and he he. Uh, he coaches the position that several of the players that Nebraska has recruited from that school play, um, you know, in, in, in Xavier Betts um, and in Davon Hall, the, the 20, uh, 24 prospect at, at, at Bellevue West, who's, who's going to probably be, a, you know, a four-star caliber player when his class comes up and, you know, has offers from Nebraska and Iowa um, and, and, you know, interest from, from places all over the country. It's important, I think, for, for those guys, for the guys in Omaha to hear from, uh, you know, more than, than one voice. And, you know, Mickey, uh, you know, just has a knack for being able to connect with kids and, you know, has some history in Omaha, actually coached at Omaha North very early in, in, his, in his coaching career. So uh, he's, he's, a, he's a, a standout uh, for sure as a recruiter. And I think so is Bill Bush, and, and, and you're seeing that. Uh, with him going some places in the Midwest, not qu- quite as active and exuberant as Mickey. Definitely has a different kind of style on the road, but they're both extremely effective in in their own ways, and you know can can really lead the charge for Nebraska, not just in in the state of Nebraska and around the Midwest, but but nationally and and creating some energy and, and good feelings around this program and recruiting that uh, have been lacking, I, I would say since early in the, in the pandemic, you know, I just took the steam out of Nebraska sales to, to, uh, um, you know, have the entire routine changed for the way that it goes about recruiting. And, and, and these two guys, um, at least in this, in this short period that they've been on staff as full-time guys, uh, in the case of Bush and, and, in Joseph, Joseph's case coming from, from LSU, uh, they have, uh, they have definitely made a, a big difference. Mitch, going to go to baseball here. Husker baseball gets cranked up, and we're not far from the, the season starting. You know, as you look at what returns and what was lost, what are you thinking? Well, I like that they've been able to take this next step and have some expectations. Uh, it, you know, it seems in, in, in recent years when Nebraska's been good, it's been uh, under the radar like, like a year ago when they were picked in the middle of the Big Ten. And now you're seeing them show up in national rankings. I saw number 20 by Baseball America. That's that's a uh, you know, an outstanding place to start, it, it, but it's going to create expectations and they're going to have uh, a target on their backs when they go and play in Texas early in the season. 
Um, they're going to go in there as a known commodity. This is a ranked team. This is a, ta- a team that took Arkansas to the brink in regionals last year. So it's it's um, this is the 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 next challenge um, for for guys like Max Anderson, uh, you know, who've been through this one time. They're not going to su- surprise people uh, here in 2022. But you know, can't wait to see. And hope there's some good weather in Lincoln in March so they can get those home games in. I want to get out to Haymarket Park and, and watch them play, you know, see a, a winning Nebraska team, uh, a winning Nebraska men's team. We for sure have seen that on the women's side with basketball and volleyball. But, um, you know, it's just been such a rough stretch with, with football um, and now basketball that it, it, it will be uh, nice to see Will Bolt's team play. Um, you know, I think they're going to have a lot of success. I think they're going to do well in the, in the Big Ten. Um, you know, look forward to seeing some of those newcomers like Drew Christo, you know, so much uh, hype around him coming out of uh, out of high school in Elkhorn. Um, so it should be a fun, a fun spring on the diamond. Let's hope there's uh, there's good weather. So uh, lots of fans get out and, and get an opportunity to see them early uh, at Haymarket. Mitch, real quick, what's coming up from you at The Athletic? Yeah, we got projected depth charts uh, doing that all over the vertical here at the end of the month. So I've got offense coming out tomorrow. Um, and then defense and special teams on Thursday. Um, some interesting, it's, it's hard. I'll tell you what, it's hard to project some of these positions as, I, as I'm sitting here doing this right now um, on the offensive side, looking at the, at the running backs and the receivers and the offensive line. It's like, you know, how do you even begin to sort this out in January? So I'm not, I'm not going to take these, uh, these predictions to the bank, um, but, but there will be projections um, on the athletic uh, tomorrow, starting with the offense, so uh, check them out, and uh, you know, and then hold me, hold me to my to my errors uh, several months down the road. Mitch Sherman with the Athletic at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, thanks for the time today. All right, good to talk to you. Thanks, Chris. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than twenty dollars, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's time for a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski with us, Nebraska and Iowa defensive line coach, former standout for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Kaz, what's up, man? What do you know? Uh, not a whole lot, buddy. So just, uh, you know, working stiff. So not a not an overpaid gym teacher anymore. So, um, you know, just doing some work, brother. That's all. An overpaid gym teacher. Wow. Um, I was I was way overpaid. Way overpaid to teach recreation. No, and I mean that in all the compliment. It's just uh, it's I, a hell of a job. So gym's fun, right? I loved so, I loved my ball. my PE teachers were awesome growing up, and they were very yeah, com- yeah. based on that's the- when actually gym was gym. Like gym was actually hard. Oh, to, like swim and like play dodgeball. Yeah, were you? Uh, yeah. You you were not sympathetic towards uh, some of the other kids that maybe didn't shower. You probably just unloaded on people, didn't you, with dodgeball? Yeah, I tell you, probably. 
probably a few list I'm on back in Erie, Pennsylvania, from my St. John the Baptist days. Me and the me and the Bellow twins, uh, Dennis Bobeck, probably a few guys that uh, don't like us, but hey. The Kaz crew. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all. Uh, most of my life was lived metaphorically, but you know how I'm a legend. It's uh, I believe it. So hell, that's all that matters, right? It's important. So I got to ask you here, <laughs> NFL, incredible night in Kansas City with Buffalo and and the Chiefs and 42 million eyeballs on that thing and 25 points in the final two minutes. Kaz, what's the the drill like on the other side when you're trying to stop somebody and you got a, 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 a hot quarterback, you want pressure, but you don't want to give up the big play? What was the rule, man? Were you a big uh, believer in, in prevent defense? I mean, people scream about that all the time on social media or at the bar, but what was Buffalo supposed to do Granted, not give up 44 yards in 13 seconds for a game tying field goal, but they just got worked for a 64 yard dig route to the Cheetah. Uh, what's the right answer here yeah. Sunday night? Well, you know, a couple of things. How, how much time was left when K, when KC got the ball? 13 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I think first first and foremost, you need to squib the ball. Yeah, you make you make them you make them return it, right? I mean, and, Earn some uh, time take there. some time off. And uh, so, I mean, you know, that, that's what you do when you have a quarterback like that. So I was, I was kind of shocked that that they kicked the ball out of the uh, they kicked the ball out of the end zone. Um, you know, the 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 thing is, what you you know, like prevent, and I, you know, it's like it's like saying two gap. I mean, good lord, you know, there's there's not a football defense where if it is it's poorly coached and mm-hmm. it's poorly structured if if you're if you have a single person responsible for two gaps i mean you have people playing off of people in two gaps right you, you know i mean it, it I, I chuckle when i hear when i hear that stuff um same thing with prevent um you know playing coaching clinicking um I mean, NFL guys, college, high school, you name it. But n- nobody says, okay, we're going into prevent. Now, you play, uh, what you try to do is avoid getting beat over top, right? Yeah. Vertically. So you don't want anybody to take anything off the top. But, you know, really what you can't do, which I think Buffalo screwed up on, they, they lost their aggressiveness. What the NFL does, and, and uh, they allow you to put your hands on people. You know, uh, with the pass rushers in that, I mean, that's a that's a passing in a in a pass rusher league right now. Uh, what you have to do is disrupt rhythm. You have to disrupt routes. Uh, you know that 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 half a second to sack. That half a second is Mahomes maybe having to take his you know eyes off where he wants to go, or you know having to adjust his front foot where he can't throw it, where the guy can catch it and run with it. So. You know, I think what they where, where Buffalo made a big mistake, and and you know all the coaches that I coached with on the defensive side of the ball, you know you beat up guys on the line of scrimmage. It cost us, you know, when I was a graduate assistant, it cost us a, a game down in Clemson, last play of the game. They had a first round receiver. I can't remember the kid's name, and you know we played soft. I mean we 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 played soft, and he ran a nine route. He jumped over our safety. Clemson wins the ball game. I mean, literally, there was about seven seconds left in the game, and uh, we came down from the booth. I remember we were in in the, in the old uh, stadium there. You had to go outside 
to uh, to get to the uh, to your sideline and locker room, and we just heard the place erupt with seven seconds, man, and it was just crazy. So I think where coaches, defensive coaches, make a mistake, they get away from what they do, and you got to beat up receivers on the line of, on the line of scrimmage. I mean, you just let these guys run a forty-yard dash, and just like anything else, whether it's a safety coming downhill on a run play. You know, the front seven got to figure out a way to, to buy time for the safeties, you know, for the guys who are, aren't, uh, who are responsible for keeping the top of the defense, you know, buying time to evaluate, decipher, see what's going on and play those routes properly. You know, when, I, when we played a six technique, uh, let me tell you, 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 at Nebraska, at Iowa, you never let the tight end release inside. Mm. Never, never. You know, you force that dude to release outside because you had to buy that linebacker, that will to the six technique side, time to decipher, okay, hey, off of play action, I beat this guy up. Now when he sees it's not a run, heck, I can still play that inside half of that of that tight end. I can carry that if that's the number three. Then I can, you know, if, if, if you know, both defenses, Iowa and Nebraska, when you had a number three, to the will, he was carrying him vertically when you when you had a, a quarters or a too high look. So, you know, everybody had to be tied into that. And, and I think where, where where coaches drop the ball is you play too soft on the line of scrimmage. I, I we didn't worry a whole lot, and I don't think great defenses worry a whole lot about getting beaten over top. I think where guys make the mistake is they 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 get beat on the line of scrimmage and they let those fast receivers. They let a four-four guy, a four-five guy, and a four-three guy, you know, run a four-three, a four-four, and a four-five, and you can't, you can't do that. And I think that's uh, that's where Buffalo lost the football game. Rick Kaczynski is with us a Tuesday with Kaz Hale City Radio. Kaz, uh, a thought on uh, recruiting, specifically in-state recruiting, and uh, you know, you guys would hear. Uh, probably till the end of time, you didn't recruit this guy, you didn't go after that guy. And what, what were the challenges of, of evaluating and going after guys in-state when it comes to Nebraska, also in-state when it comes to Iowa versus some of the other surrounding regions uh, making that right pick? And we all know recruiting is such a crapshoot. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. And I think, you know, I mean, I heard the same thing at Iowa. I mean, there's a, there was a nose guard. We sat there in the staff the staff room and there was a kid nobody wanted. I mean, we went coach to coach to coach to coach to coach, head coach in there, watch the guy. Nobody wanted him, right? Kid ends up going out west and played in the NFL a bunch of years. Yeah, it just it just happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um it, no matter no matter what state you know, whether it's Penn State, Penn State's gonna lose guys somewhere else that, you know, when the guy becomes a star Oh man, you know those coaches. What the hell? They don't know what the hell they're doing. Can't believe we lost that kid. I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna happen. I, I'm a Pennsylvania kid that went to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Juravicious was an Ohio State kid that went to Penn State. You know that happens. And I'm not, obviously I'm not on the same level as Joe Juravicious was right. at the time. But you know those those things those things happen. Obviously though, to build a successful program, you you want to get those guys that are close to home. Um, it's a little bit harder for guys to leave when they leave close to home. You know, guys play a little bit harder. Um, you know, guys, uh, you know, their families, it, it, they have people to help them through, you know, the, the rigors of homesickness and those type of things. So you always want to take care of that home base. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I think also too, I, I, I think each, each case is, is individual. You know, I, I think there was a, right before I left, there was a nose guard mm-hmm. that uh, was from Lincoln. I think he went to Wisconsin. Uh, I think the next staff recruited him, but he wasn't a Nebraska kid. You know, he wasn't from Nebraska. I think he went to Nebraska's junior and senior year, maybe something like that. But, you know, I think you look at it individually, but when you have good players, good, I, I don't think it's the guys necessarily, Schmitty, that everybody's recruiting. Mm-hmm. It's the guys that maybe nobody's recruiting, right? It, I, I think you, you build a team. You're, you're, you're not going to get killed by losing a guy that goes to Arizona State or a, guy, or a kid that goes to Iowa. Would they, would they help you win football games? Oh, hell yeah. But that's not going what, to. What's going to. What's going to change your program is those developmental guys. You can go in the portal all you want. You still have to develop guys. Every program outside of, and even look at Alabama. You know they got to develop guys. It's just not plugging in, pull, pull play. Uh, you know, push play, and you win a national championship. Now, now it's a little bit easier when they push play. They don't have to develop quite as much. But you know, programs in the Midwest, you're gonna have. You have to develop people, man. So you're going to build your program with those guys that, you know, the Malik Collins, the Vincent Valentines, you know, they might play a little bit early, but you're not counting on them to be all big 10 their freshman year. You know, they're contributors and then they become starters and then they become all big 10. All right. So I think that's how, that's the way you have to look at it. You know, you can't look at what you don't have. How are you building your program? You know, are you missing on Are you missing on the kid uh, that uh, you know may have gone to Florida Atlantic? Are you Are you missing on the kid that you know that you beat that that went to Minnesota? Okay, things things like that. And and I can tell you, when you start winning, it's easier to recruit. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, there was a kid we did everything. Sometimes you just miss, man. There was a kid we did everything on. We were the first ones to offer him, and I I remember we took a bunch of heat. For, for not getting the kid, he, we were the first ones to offer him. You know, we recruited the hell out of him. And then he went somewhere else. He was a Nebraska kid, ended up being a great player. He's still playing in the NFL. Love the kid. But, uh, what? There, I mean, I can tell you, for me as a defensive line coach and JP as the coordinator and Coach Ells and Bo being involved with things, there was nothing else we could do. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else we could do. I mean, there was a kid at, at you know, at Iowa after we run, won the Orange Bowl. You know, he went to a, he went to a program that, that had a losing record the year before. We're coming off an Orange Bowl win. Got five guys that will get drafted off that D-line that played in that game. And he's going to a team. So, you know, it, it is a crapshoot. You never quite know. But you can't worry about the one or two guys you lose. I think you have to concentrate on how you're building your program, Right. You know, take the damn guy that might have a one double A offer. You know, Iowa does that. There's a lot of places that do. You can't worry about the press conference on signing day, right? What you got to worry about is year two, year three, year four in the developmental, you know. And I think when you look at Nebraska, it's such a, you know, a small state. And you don't have the population and you don't have that, that you know, a, a, that concentration of, of, of players. What do you have, 1.8 million people in the state? For now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so you know, what you have to do at Nebraska, you have to treat Kansas City, right? You have to treat Des Moines. Um, you, know, you have to treat these areas, you know, uh, South Dakota, like, like it's your home state. 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. A few more minutes with Kaz. We're talking in-state recruiting, some of the challenges in Nebraska and Iowa. Worry about the kid that has a UNI offer in a Nebraska offer, right? If you think that guy can help you, and then if he's, you know, but but I also, we've talked about it here before. You know, if you're recruiting for guys to help you win as they come in fresh as freshmen, you're crazy. You want those guys to contribute. But if you have to recruit freshmen or you have to go to the transfer portal year after year, you're not, you're not building a program. You're not going to be there very long. So, you know, contrary to popular belief in this transfer portal age and all this other BS that's going on, you still got to, you still got to recruit and build the program. And most successful programs are, are built in their backyard, you know, and, and, you know, go beat Missouri. You got to concentrate on beating Missouri, you know, try to beat Iowa and Des Moines kids, um, you know, win Kansas. There's, there's plenty of, there's plenty of players. There's plenty of players where you can go. You can go. You can go build a program there, man. And then when you start winning, then then you venture out. You know they'll come to you. You start winning nine, ten again. You know, and you win a big game here and there on TV. They'll start. They'll start calling you. I mean, it, 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 they'll call you. I promise you. But um, but you know, all, all successful programs. You know, like places like Nebraska, Penn State, Ohio State. You know, Ohio State recruits nationally. But Ohio State wins with kids. They build their program with Midwest kids and Ohio kids. You know, Penn State, they, they, you know, they'll go down south, you know, but they, they win. They, they build their program with New Jersey kids, you know, all those states that touch the state of Pennsylvania. You know, you look at Maryland, Loxley, you know, he's trying to build that program with kids in their backyard. I mean, that's, that's how you have to do it. Gaz, get a wrap with baseball, baseball Hall of Fame vote. Sweet Lou Whitaker, baby. Talk Sweet to me. Lou, baby. Sweet Lou, 244 career homers, world champion, was excellent. And you could argue the best at his spot in the American League. The, uh, the guys who vote say, well, was he dominant long enough? Uh, you got to have like played 19 years. I know. I'm not. I'm. I'm played not. 19 years. I'm he saying make the case for Sweet Lou. For I, I think he. I, I'm. I may be wrong. I think he was rookie of the year. Well, I'm almost positive. 19, he, was. he was in 1978. Yeah, I mean, yeah, him and Tram. Yeah, you kidding me? Five time All Star, rookie uh, of the yeah. year, three time Gold Glove. Four-time Silver Slugger, and those dudes, all they did was show up to the ballpark and play. Man, that's all they did. I mean, that's all. That's all. That's Twenty-three hundred career hits. Yeah. Two seventy. Yep. Did, you have, the, did you have? Did you have the Sweet Lou? Uh, did you have the Sweet Lou uh, stance? 
I think sweet. Gosh, I think he was he was a he's a lefty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, it was hard. To, it's hard to mirror that. It was. Uh, it was. It was. It was. Uh, it was hard to to mirror you, that. Do you but, have a uh, real quick? Do you have a Do you have an objection? If Bond with Bonds and Big Poppy and Clements and Sosa and those guys shilling, put, put them in. Put them in. Yeah. Put them in. They're still. Uh, you, you can take all the gas you want. Mm-hmm. Guess what? It's still hard hitting a baseball. Still hard throwing a baseball. Take all the gas you want. <laughs> I mean, they're, still, they're great baseball players. Look, look what those guys did for the game, man. You know, good. I mean, you know, they put baseball on them. They put it back on the map, man. Baseball was dead in the nineties. Dead yeah, till the till the Derby. I mean, till that chase yeah, between man. McGuire and Sosa. Yeah. So you know, let's not forget what these and, and, and let's go back. I mean, for crying out loud, if. If we're going to, you know, I mean, I love the babe and I love baseball and Ty Cobb. I mean, you know, it, it, you'd have to search far and wide to find a bigger, a bigger uh, Jack uh, uh, than, uh, than Ty Cobb. So, you know, I mean, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at what, let's look at the game. Let's look what these folks did for, for the game. You know, that's, that's the way, that's the way I look at it. I mean, uh, you know, the hand-eye coordination, the bat speed that Bonds had. I mean, put him in. Put Pete in, too. Are you kidding me? Pete, absolutely, Pete. Pete. I mean, if are we going on are we going on off-field mm-hmm. or on-field? And, you know, I, I've yeah. kind of changed my tune a little bit. I just – there's some guys I don't like. I never liked Bonds. I never liked A-Rod. But from a – I love Schilling. I mean, I just loved watching Schilling do yeah. his thing. And Big Poppy, I mean, that was my guy, man. I loved watching Big Poppy do his thing yeah, specifically. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like. I mean, 04. I think you know when I when I think of Poppy, I mean, is he an all? Is he? I think he's a good baseball player. Is he? Is he? A, is he an all star? Yeah, well, you know? he's, he's an all star MVP, and he was uh, he was an all star multiple times, and he he did it kind of late in his career, and then his postseason heroics. His numbers are nuts. I mean, they're still you know four hundred, five hundred home runs. I mean, they're still hall worthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I think too, and I, I what I like about those guys, just you know, they all, you know, different type of characters, man, and you know that that's what made baseball <laughs> that made baseball interesting. You know, now everything's just so dang cookie cutter, and mm-hmm. it's like people are playing for their for their next contract, and you know that's what's great. I mean, look at the NFL, look at the playoffs, how different these teams play in playoffs, and same thing in MLB, um, you know, postseason. It's uh, you know, I, I, for some reason, I like watching the Dodgers, and I, and I, I, even before they were they were great. Don't ask me why, and in the Tigers. But other than that, I'm you know if I'm flipping through, I'm I'm not watching, mm-hmm. I'm not watching, I'm not watching baseball. You know, so uh, it, it's just I, I don't know. It's just uh, I, I think same thing, free agency, all that other stuff, which you just don't have. I mean, how, how many guys you look at you look at Tram and Whitaker playing together? You know, 18 seasons, I think. Sweet. 17 or 18 seasons, something like that. I mean, that, that that stuff would never. That stuff would never happen. You know, I tell you what, though. You ever see Sweet Lou? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he wasn't going to the weight room a whole lot there in the Motor City. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Right. Holy cow! He was having a good those, time these, though. These heavy bats, man. Those guys. They. they I mean, it, that was that was baseball. You know, they they weren't they weren't swinging for the fence. They were placing the ball. 
that was a power, that was a power hitting baseball team there in, you know, 83, 84. Choke and poke and give me Gibby, man. Rick Kaczynski's with us. <laughs> Kaz, it's uh, fun to talk ball with you, man. We'll do this next week. Thanks for giving us a few. All right, brother. Anytime. Thank you. Rick Kaczynski, well, the hall call came, and it's all over social media. Big Poppy, clearly wearing a Hall of Fame shirt in the video footage. All sorts of colors on that thing, and Poppy got in. Uh, he, uh, hit 77.9% over that 75% threshold. So Poppy in uh, true clutch fashion, one for one, three MVPs, three world series, a twin. <laughs> Many of you are like, what? Yeah, he was a twin and. Boston got him for nothing. If you're wondering, Barry Bonds, 66% of the vote. Clemens, 65% of the vote. Schilling at 58% of the vote. A-Rod, 34%. Manny Ramirez, 28.9%. Sosa down to 18.5%. We'll wind down a Tuesday. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, we'll dive into some basketball. Andy Markowski with us tomorrow. Mike Babcock, Mike Schuhart. Awesome. Be sure to catch Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star, incredible uh, sports reporter, columnist with the Star. And we love Blair uh, battling leukemia. And uh, Blair's uh, continuing to, to get after it, man. Great to talk with Blair, and we love him, and thoughts and prayers to him. So we spent time talking uh, Chiefs and uh, some Casey Thompson. Blair knows the Big 12 better than anybody, so he was with us. Mitch Sherman got us going in hour two, and then a Tuesday with Kaz. Some insight there with uh, Coach Kaz on in-state recruiting when he was at Nebraska and also Iowa and uh, the Hall call, and it was all Big Poppy. And, you know, I've, I've shifted. <laughs> I've absolutely shifted. I just really don't care anymore. Uh, what you did about the Hall of Fame. Did you turn yourself into a pincushion? Probably. What's keeping guys like Bonds out and Clemens out and Sosa out isn't that they took steroids. Well, it is that they took steroids, but it's the fact that they've just been fake and, and probably jerks and 
the uh, the guys that probably didn't survive in Kaz's gym class, a lot of them that he was talking about, wailing on people with dodgeball, they're now Baseball Hall of Fame voters. And maybe Barry Bonds threatened their life one too many times. So on his 10th and final try to get into the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, uh, the, the writers had the last laugh. He is not in. But... He was a Hall of Famer beforehand. Is Sammy Sosa a Hall of Famer without PEDs? I don't know. He's probably like a 300 home run guy. He's like Jesse Barfield. Great player for a stint. I love Sammy. Is McGuire a Hall of Fame guy? I don't know. Rob Deere hit a hell of a lot of home runs, but he hit 212 his whole career. The old DH for the Brewers. There's some guys that you can really have a chat about with PED use, leakage ex- assumption, and do they do they crawl into that stratosphere without extending their career? Clemens probably borderline, probably a yes without it. It's probably around 300 wins, gets in. Bonds is a four to 500 home run guy, gets in without it. Big Poppy, great late bloomer, man. Super clutch. Is he a guy that hovers around 500 career home runs? How long was he on it? Was he truly on it? His name's leaked. Comes down to personality. Again, Pulp Fiction reference. People love Poppy. And they vote for Poppy. And Poppy's, he's the mayor, man. He's the mayor of Beantown. They love the guy. They remember how clutch he was. And in that era, he's probably trying to hit against guys that have seven or eight Band-Aids on their ass cheek. So, came down to the personality, the popularity. Back at it tomorrow. Check out the podcast. Find it, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. Give us a rating. Good, bad, ugly. We want to hear your feedback. Tell us what you think. And uh, back at four tomorrow with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Huda Media Production.